Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 188. We're doing this live, back to our normal spot, high bandwidth, Friday afternoon, June 27th, 2014. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me as always... It's Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association, back in TO. Happy Canada Day. Yes, yes, here we are. Uh, yes, it's Canada Day this week if you're already listening to this. Um, Tuesday and beyond. But, yeah, you, you know. It's, anyway, so we're, we're proud Canadians. We're happy to do this. And, uh, yeah. Well, who would have thought, though, that on uh, uh, June 27th, we, we would be uh, focused uh, on hockey trades? Like, it's I, insane, it's, right? When I mean, is this, I'm literally, when is... I'm sitting here talking to you, and I'm like looking at my phone because Kessler just got moved by the Canucks to the Ducks. When does when do I get a damn break from hockey? Come on! It just like the season just ended, and now Don't we're all be talking... bitter because Ottawa sucks, Rob. Well, it's been two months since they've been on the ice, and all I've heard about is hockey, 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 hockey. But I'll tell you what, it's you, mean, a... you haven't heard about the World Cup. Now? I'm saying like it's the greatest break from the this travesty, uh, which is the World good. Cup. I have, a, I have a beef to pick really quickly. It's this this guy who gets like suspended for 16 weeks, four months, gets kicked out of the tournament for biting a dude, right? Which I don't I don't condone biting at all. Like Bruce Springsteen said in an interview with TMZ, you know. Biting should not be a part of sports. And I agree with you, Bruce. Run for president. But the whole... And I'm I'm Dutch, right? We talked about this. The whole Dutch team basically is on steroids, knocks out the defending champions, and they don't even get so much as a slap on the wrist. And they're allowed to play. They're allowed to play. And this... Uh, it's this crazy. Guy, so biters lose and cheaters win. That's the lesson that, that I'm going to have to teach my kids. It's stupid, stupid, stupid. Man. If, uh... Anyway, so back to back to the whole show. That was just my, my rant. Is that it's there ridiculous. This whole just it's a farce. <laughs> Soccer's a farce. Good lord! All right, now that the rest of you are still here, I've tuned everybody else out who who doesn't uh, who 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 is angry with that. Let's talk about location based marketing. I want to get <laughs> let's let's do that. Um, blood pressure right here. What's yeah. going on with you guys at the LBMA in the next little while, man? Well, um, thankfully, after eight consecutive weeks of travel, I'm staying home uh, for for a little bit. Um, And uh, the next thing we have coming up is on July the 22nd, which is the Place Conference, uh, which is focused on sort of the indoors beacon market. Uh, So it's a one-day event in New York on the 22nd, and uh, I'll be there. I'll be moderating a a panel discussion and uh, looking forward to that group. Uh, It's put on by Opus Research, so uh, Greg Sterling and, and his team. So uh, it should be a great event, and it's all on our website. You can find it there. And the following week, uh, I'll, I'll talk more about this next week, but we also have a webinar coming up the following week on the following Wednesday with a uh, partnership between the LBMA and RevTrax. Uh, so that should be an interesting uh, session as well. Uh, again, you can find the details on the LBMA website. So relaxed. I know. I love what it. What is this? Summer is here. Summer is And it doesn't pick up really again until the fall, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a little, few things here and there in July and August, but uh, yeah, you know, high gear September, for sure. You know what? I, I uh, I've been approached now um, f- to do many speaking engagements in 2015. Like they're already booking up for 2015, and uh, and I guess they're scraping the bar- you know bottom of the barrel. And they, I, a lot of people asking me if I can come. Like, hey, Rob, are you available in June of 2015? I'm like, guy, it's a year from now. 
better book it now. That's what I say. Better book it now because I might be I might be jammed up. Yeah. Right. Might be yeah. a baseball game or something on TV that I want to watch. Yeah. Or a draft. Or or a draft. <laughs> There's got to be something about hockey on that day that might interfere. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a great, great, great show as usual. Our top 10 stories of the week, finally crafted and curated by one Mr. Asif Khan, and we will get through those very quickly. Also, you have a guest, Patrick Letty of uh, Pulsate. You actually got to sit down with a guest. I know. So uh, we we will have that uh, a little bit later on the show. We're going to do a deep dive into a couple of the stories, but a couple of concepts that have emerged out of these top 10 stories. But we've got to get through those stories first before we get to the deep stuff. So why don't I kick this off with a bang right about now? Sounds good to me. So my blood pressure is now back up at accelerant, at an accelerated level, okay, after talking about uh, the World Cup and the steroids. And it's going to roll right into this first story. I'm going to explain what the story is, and then I'm going to have a moment of uh, chuckling with with everybody uh, around this story. The first story is this company called HouseTab. It's an app that's launched in New York City. Now, HouseTab enables HouseTab. That's House T-A-B enables users uh, to check in at participating merchants and pay the tab automatically when they leave. So that sounds okay, right? We've, we've tabbed out was a company that we've talked about quite often that does these things inside of bars. But here's where it gets a little weird because users can also see where friends are checked in, chat with other users in real time and buy drinks or food for any other people in the network. So the way that it works is that a merchant will install a house tab provided iPad which is a big no-no inside of a bar, next to their cash register, which is another big no-no because it's not part of their entire POS, that allows them to accept the app. Uh, it's all done by Braintree, is the uh, division of PayPal that's doing the, uh, the um, commerce, the payment functionality and transactions. And you can find out a little bit more information about them at myhousetab.com. This, to me, Asif, is ridiculous. I've never heard of any company thinking, hey, let's take payments, Let's take location and proximity and marry social with it and put it into an application and call it unique. There's no no congruency between social networks and payments. Not whatsoever. There is no way. You're either a payment application and, or you're a social application that behind the scenes has, has payments. You do not focus on payments and then try to add features to a payment app. Freaking ridiculous. These companies had better just stop coming out. And I don't care if there's a little uplift, like a 5% uplift in some of the stories that I've seen. This kind of story, these kind of companies, ridiculous. No longevity, no revenue model, no real business in this in this case. You cannot scale a company like this. It is not even worth the breath that is coming out of my mouth. There you go, from Rob the Ripper. Rob the Ripper. Our second story, our second story. A little more positive, I think. Oh, yes, um, there you go. You know, focused on the young people. Uh, th- that is the really young people. Uh, Not the ones in the bars. Late- yeah, yeah, we're talking about Lego. Uh, we all love Lego, right? Who doesn't love Lego? Um, I love it. I amazing, love Lego. right? I love so Lego. they've launched this new thing called Lego Fug- Fusion, um, which is kind of cool. It, it's basically a set of building blocks. There are currently four sets that they've uh, that they've announced. Uh, one called Town Master, Battle Towers, Create and Race, and Resort Designer. So they've got four sets of this Lego Fusion stuff you can buy, and basically it comes with this. Um, this what they call a capture plate. So this this thing that you you set up, and then you build uh, on top of this plate, and then um, it links up with with your uh, with your mobile device with, through an app, so that you can actually take what you built and then you can play a game with it uh, on your mobile device. So there, it's kind of trying to bridge the virtual and the physical worlds together, where you create something on the ground in the real world, and then 
capture it with your mobile device and actually play and interact with it in the virtual world on, on your on your phone. This is kind of cool. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Um, it speaks to this sort of bigger trend that, that, that we've been talking about, about you know, sort of AR, virtual reality, you know, coming into the mainstream now. And uh, I like that they're, they're bridging physical and, 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 uh, and virtual in this way. And it's Lego. And I it's love Lego. Lego. So, and it's not expensive. Yeah. I've heard prices like in the $30 range for these things. Yeah. You know? No, so, it's pretty cool. Targeting kids age 7 to 12. Well, and us. And their yeah. parents, right? That's the best I thing. Just happen to, hey, Lego, if you're listening, I just happen to have two kids that are right there, 7 and 11. So, hey. You want to do some testing, and they yeah, love technology. Yeah, we're happy to test out. All right, our third story uh, comes. Wait, no, it's, it's going to be Rob and I that are testing. Exactly. It's like my kids, kids go to bed. <laughs> go read your books, stuff. Yeah. My son just, uh, he's seven, Jack, one of my sons, uh, he just finished Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter book, 224 pages. And I, I don't think I got through my first novel till I was maybe 17. Anyways, I'm wow. impressed. So, yeah, send him up to read his book and I'll do the fun stuff. Sounds All right, good. our third story is we try to figure out the ultimate use for any kind of beacon technology. Austin-based uh, Chaotic Moon may have solved this puzzle. I love this company. Whirly is one of my heroes, one of my favorite dudes on the planet. He does not need a second name, a last name. He's just Whirly. He's one of the craziest, most amazing, innovative guys on the planet. Whirly, if you're listening to this, man, I love you. That's it. All right. So Chaotic Moon built something called Gopher Tracker, a network of iBeacons set up in strategic areas throughout the office to track interns. God, love them. So when synced with an intern smartphone, Gopher Tracker would let management know exactly where the interns are and allow them to send misplaced intern a message like, where the hell are you? Right. I love I love the whole idea is that you're not supposed to be there. Get going. So this is might sound crazy, but Chaotic Moon has been known to do these kind of things. They do a bunch of testing internally uh, on behalf of clients so that they can actually see if this technology will work for clients. And you can see this working in the retail environment. You can see this working everywhere about tracking employees, provided that they have permission. But you know that's something else. They do these things with the um, they did the uh, you know the board of awesomeness, which was a long board that was powered by a kinetic device or a connect a Microsoft Connect that allowed you to power a long board with your hands. A powered long board it went up to 33 miles an hour. These guys do these innovative things so that they in their labs. So basically, they can bring these to clients and make sure that they actually function. But this is pretty cool. It's called Gopher Tracker, and only Chaotic Moon can get away with this and actually be cool. Something to track interns. Human tagging. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I guess it's better than shooting We'll, we'll talk more about tag. that uh, on the flip side. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wicked. All right. Our fourth story comes from a, uh, a pretty big player in the world of location, a company called UbiSense. Uh, and they've launched a new suite of location intelligence applications targeted at the utilities and communication service industry. So, basically, you know, this is a B2B play we're talking about here. Uh, this, by the way, you guys, you know, if you watch this show all the time, this isn't just about retail and consumers, right? There's lots of stuff going on in the B2B world around location. So we thought we'd bring you a little bit of that today. So UbiSense launches this thing called the My World platform. Um, and again, targeting utility uh, operators and, and, and workers. And basically, it's a set of tools, three pieces uh, in total, one called Damage Assessment, one called Network Operations Portal, and the other one called Vegetation Management. And so it's all about using location, using Google-style mapping to track, again, 
where your workers are, optimize workers in the field, you know, allow them to do real-time reporting, tag to maps, you know, all this kind of stuff about, you know, uh, you know, just optimization of, of, of resources, people resources and equipment resources uh, in the field for utility uh, companies, uh, you know, that need this kind of stuff. So this is, this is valuable stuff. This is a great application of, of you know, using location technology uh, in a B2B context. Well, and from that, it's amazing. So you got tracking interns, then you've got tracking resources in the B2B space out, uh, you know, um, what, you know, with UbiSense. And now you've got this, our fifth story, which is about um, ShopperTrack and their partnership with a, with a retail outlet called uh, Journeys. Um, and ShopperTrack, this is their 1,000th customer and it is Journeys. Uh, through the partnership, it will enable Journeys to measure store traffic to optimize labor scheduling. So you take it from the other side, which you've got tracking assets of the company. Now you're talking about tracking people inside of the organization or coming into the business so that you can actually get an assessment about labor track, la labor scheduling, ensuring a consistent customer experience. So, you know, that very first hello when they walk in, how quickly do they engage with the customers? And it's also going to be uh, done across these organizations, but um, you know we're going to be looking at how employees can be trained, even uh, and sales performance as a result of this software. It's all with one goal, and that's to provide the highest level of customer service, and it's all through this technology. So you got three stories in a row there that are doing the same thing, but on different aspects of the business, which is really cool. So Journeys selects Shopper Track for location analytics, and we will talk about the com combination of those three stories a little bit later on in the show. All right. And our sixth story uh, is about a retailer called uh, Lucchese, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, working with a platform called Experticity. Um, you know, a lot of weird words there. You, you got the best uh, names, man. I got the best names. <laughs> you do. Experticity. Um, and Lucchese. Uh, is the platform that uh, Lucchese, the retailer, is using. Um, and what it is, is a platform, again, we're, we're kind of looking at inside of the store and labor uh, issues, but this is a way to uh, to do gamification, to uh, motivate employees, uh, you know, to, to kind of do the things that you want them to do. So they've got a web-based portal called 3.5.com, which is a is primarily used around training, employee training, um, you know, and helping uh, you know these Lucchese employees, you know, understand you know, what they need to know about specific products, shoes, handbags, leather accessories, the things that they sell, you know, um, you know, how to place those on the floor, you know, how to, how to market them properly, you know, the, the training things that are required when you're training a sales associate. Um, and, and so they've, you know, this platform's got some gamification mechanics around it that incent, uh, you know, these employees to do certain things, to learn certain modules in a certain way. I love this kind of stuff. Um, you know, and again, it kind of ties back to the other two stories, right? It's, it's, we're starting to see location analytics and tracking solutions. We'll talk more about this on the, on the, on the flip side. This is one of our bigger stories. Uh, but, but use it in a way, uh, you know, that, that is all about B2B and not about, you know, consumer engagement uh, at all. So I love it. Yeah, so do I. Big, big conversation in a few minutes. So I'm going to yeah. jump into the next story. Um, and, and this has nothing to do with the previous four. So this is a little bit different, but it has a lot to do with customer satisfaction in very saturated areas. Uh, JC, it's JC Dassault. Which always screws me up because it's there's a big C in the middle of that and uh, JC Dassault, it's if you've you've heard of these guys we've talked about these guys a lot they're the number one outdoor ad advertisement company on the planet doing digital and tr traditional they've announced the first ever use of the, these 200 little 4G small cells to be put in bus shelters in Amsterdam and uh, this is a trial collaboration with Vodafone Netherlands 
what these guys, what these low voltage relay transmitters do, uh, they have a capacity of about to several hundred meters from that bus stop. So if you think about a bus stop and, and emanating from that several, several hundred meters um, is a, a much richer, much denser, much more consistent uh, network connection um, to enrich basically this capacity offered by Vodafone Netherlands customers by developing consistent performance zones in this area. You got these 200 spots across Amsterdam that are doing this. And this is a fascinating story we're going to be talking about a little bit later as well, just simply because this is what it takes, not only for consistency and customer service and connectivity, but also I wonder, and I'll leave this as a little bit dangling there, what kind of other services they're going to put on top of that now that they're in these bus stops. And that's what we're going to be talking about, the opportunity that this affords a company that is the number one outdoor advertising company and why they would do this to begin with. So in the interim, we'll just say that uh, JC Dassault puts 4G small cells in Amsterdam bus shelters. And we'll figure out what that means a little bit later. All right. Our eighth story uh, is about the, uh, the great car company, Audi. Uh, and uh, we couldn't leave the World Cup alone, so we decided to bring those things together. But Audi basically is uh, in, in trying to get on board with the uh, the World Cup activity has created this really cool, well, I think a really cool uh, promotion uh, in, in New York, um, basically in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, on the shores of Greenpoint, Brooklyn. They've they basically bought, you know, like set up uh, uh, 28 Audi A8 cars and kind of built them in a uh, in a stack inside of uh, like so have these cars sitting inside of shipping containers that are open on on the one side so that you can see the fronts of, of all these cars um, and then as uh, as scores happen during the World Cup what you see is is they, they flip the headlights on on these cars to actually you know tell people what the score is of, uh, in the game um, really cool. It's about 40 feet tall, the whole thing, 45 shipping containers, uh, 28 cars. Um, and, and they say, um, so like I said, it's sitting on the shores of Green, Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, spectacular view from across the river for people in Manhattan. Uh, you know, obviously it'll be running till July 14th. And apparently you can, the planes can even see this from the air, uh, that are coming in, uh, which is pretty cool as well. So, you know, I like this. Good stuff. I wonder who gets, like, how do you get that job? What's the job description of the guy who has to sit in there, you know, and, and turn on his lights to the score? Yeah, I don't know. Does and by the way, it, like, they didn't stop there. They've also got this other uh, thing. I mean, they're, they're fully embracing the World Cup and kind of going with, the you know, all the activity around soccer right now. So in addition to all that, on the 31st of July, uh, they're, they're doing a, um, a football summit day. And they've got a, a match that they put together between uh, FC Bayern Munich, uh, which is partly owned by Audi, uh, and uh, Club Deportivo Guadalajara of Mexico. Uh, so that those two teams are going to play a match at, uh, at the Red Bull Arena in New Jersey. Because <laughs> we don't have enough soccer on television? No. So, you know, like the World Cup's going to be done, but we might as well let's just keep it going for a little bit longer and uh but anyways the scoreboard thing is amazing do you know uh, i heard a staggering stat around uh, social activity around the world cup i must be the only one on the planet that doesn't really give a damn about it but um there are in the first 15 days of the world cup up until uh, this morning there were more social engagements more twitter posts uh there were twice as many twitter posts as there were in the same amount of time during or four times as many twitter posts as there were in the same amount of time than uh during the olympics uh, these these past Olympics like that's crazy like that's a lot of people that like this sport so I, I swear I must be the only one that doesn't 
There you go. I have to say, like, I do watch the highlights on on the sports, you know, the well, sports you, uh, yeah, channel. Yeah, but, but it only takes like it's like thirty eight yeah, seconds. But I'm not sitting there. I, I'm not. I can't sit there and watch a whole match. Like that's just not happening. So no. no. And then the U.S. lost, but no. still managed to get into the sixteen. The Blue Jays beating the Yankees. Yes, that I can watch. <sighs> See if I almost hung up on you right there. Almost hung up. <laughs> so I think it's Canada. I assume. Yeah. It's all right. It's okay. You know, we, we got to be proud of our small victories in Toronto. You small know? victories. We're still in first place, small and we're victories. at the halfway mark of the season. Small victories. Small victories. Yeah. All right. All right, I'm going to jump right into our ninth story. Um, and uh, i got a riddle for you, a mathematical question here. What do, you, what do you get when you take the founder of Stumbled Upon and Uber, the co-founder of Foursquare, and you look at the business model uh, of an open table that was acquired by Priceline? The, the answer is our story. So this is uh, the founder of Uber and stumbled upon. His name is Garrett Camp. He's hired Naveen Salvadure, which is the co-founder of Foursquare, and seems to have raised somewhere along the line $50 million and softly launched this company called Reserve. And not a lot is known about the company other than it says that it's going to be a new dining experience that is coming in the fall. Speculation is that this is going to fill this void that has... Um, arisen because of open tables acquisition being acquired by Priceline and the fact that people were not really satisfied it seems with uh, with open table i wonder if this is at all possible is it, this is a retread and are, you know is the money flowing into these guys because these guys are very successful like how do you how do you say no to a guy who founded uber yeah. and and the guy who founded foursquare how do you say no to that you don't, do you? I don't think you can, right? As a VC, you have to sort of take that, you know, like, uh, you know, that bet that these guys can do do it again. Um, you know, and they apparently they've attracted, a, you know, beyond Naveen and and, uh, and Garrett, there's like a whole slew of other superstars. Same that, superstars. Yeah, that they brought in. So, yeah. But that doesn't always work, right? And, uh, no. And, and especially when you have this much hype, right? So any one of these guys going out on their own and being a part of a new company, raising this much money, will put expectations that I don't think that they can match, right? Look at, look True. at, yeah, I mean, if you look at all of the uh, their predecessors that came out with product, um, remember Color and all the hype that was around Color, and that was a total disaster. And, uh, you know, remember Milk? That was a total friggin' disaster. So I, I, I have, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of empathy with guys who can who can collect fifty million dollars on their name. And my hope is that they truly, really do create a new dining experience coming this fall. But if you'd like to sign up for their mailing list, I think all you have to go is uh, do is go to reserve.com, and uh, that's a great domain name, by the way. That is a wicked domain name. So Garrett Camp hires uh, a bunch of people, raises a bunch. I wonder of money. how much of the fifty million they had to use to buy that. Well, it's probably forty nine nine. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, all right. Our final Finish story. Finish it off. Our 10th story is about the launch of a new app called Slight, S L I G H T, um, being described as a new way to communicate anonymously using a location where messages are only viewable when users are within a 40 meter radius of the sender. So, I don't, you know. For me, this is a long shot thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to be Rob the Ripper, but this is a long shot thing. <laughs> and um, you know, we got Snapchat, we've got Facebook, we've got you know so many other things out there. Um, this isn't the first time an app like this has has you know come together where you can send messages to people near you anonymously. Um, you know, I, I think all the way back to you know things like. Uh, you know, sonar that tried to do stuff like this uh, to um, 
What are my what are highlight things? highlight uh, highlight? Even um, Banjo was in there for a while before they. Banjo pivoted. was in the space for a little while. What's the other guys in New York with the video messages and the? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, know like companies like High Society back in the day. All those guys are. I mean, these. there's been a lot of these, right? Yeah. So, you know, I struggle with this thing. I mean, I I, I like the idea of. Um, you know, I think there's huge value in today's society around messaging that is temporal, um, you know, that disappears like Snapchat. We've seen that, obviously. People ha see a certain value in that, that there's no permanence to it. Um, but this isn't necessarily that. This is, hey, you're here. There's a bunch of other people there. You know, they're interested in a certain topic. We're leaving, you know, a discussion around that. There's nothing unique about this, in my view. Um, you know, the lots of guys doing this. I mean, even over in our Edinburgh chapter, you know, where, where we've got you know um, the guys over there with you know doing their their bubbles and stuff. It's the same. It's the same kind of concept. Um, Base Warp is the company I'm thinking of yeah. over in Edinburgh. Um, so there there are a bunch of these out there. Um, so I I just struggle with the concept. But anyways, here it is, another one. Um, slight S L I G H T. Slight app. Hmm. All right, well, those are the 10 stories. Uh, some good, some not so good, some great, some not so great. But that is exactly why we bring them to you in this order. I got I got to be able to... Uh, I, was, I was thinking about um, your nickname. If I'm the Rob the Ripper, it's got to be like, you know, a small Asif assault, right? That was like a kind of like, you know, it's, you're politically yeah. correct, right? Uh, I, I've, I have no allegiances. I, you know, I'm just... Uh, and neither do I, but, you know, hey. It is... It's it is what it is. And I think that, uh, you know, when we, uh, we do this in good faith, all we're trying to do is protect this industry. That's it. I don't have to defend ourselves. I just protect the industry so that we can move it forward, not move it back. And some of these apps, some of these ideas aren't going to make it any better. So why bother? Destroy the entrepreneurial spirit. All right, those are the 10 stories. We've got two that we're going to follow up. We're going to be talking about this big topic that obviously came up in four of these stories around this concept of tracking people. Not only tracking people, but tracking, uh, you know, uh, customers and then understanding what the interaction between customers and people means for your business and adding efficiencies to your business. Um, and then the other one we're going to be talking about is uh, JC Dassault and this whole idea of what they're going to put over the top on these concentrated high network areas around uh, bus stations um, or in, in bus shelters. Fascinating. It is going to be, I guarantee it, do not turn away. But before we do that, Asif, you got to sit down with Patrick. Tell me about Patrick and Pulse Hate, please. There you go. Yes. Um, so on my Irish adventure, uh, you know, um, had a chance to spend some time with Patrick Letty, uh, who's uh, the founder and CEO of a company called Pulse Hate. We've talked about Pulse Hate, I don't know, back in I think April or something uh, on the show. And uh, an interesting beacon technology. Uh, they've got it deployed with uh, in bars and some retailers. They've got brands like Heineken and folks, you know, using the, using the platform. So uh, you know, I had a chance to follow up with them this week and um, get him to tell us in his own words what's going on. So uh, here it is: uh, interview with uh, Patrick Letty, founder and CEO of Pulsate. Well, it's that time of the show where we get to bring on a special guest, and this week it is Patrick Letty, the founder and CEO of Pulsate, one of the great companies I met uh, on my uh, Irish adventure uh, in the last uh, week or so. And uh, we've covered Pulsate on the show back in April, so it's uh, it's good to hear from the source what's what's going on over there. So, Patrick, uh, welcome to this week in location-based marketing. Why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about Pulsate? 
Thanks very much, Asif. So Pulsate is a mobile marketing platform for the physical world. We help venues, brands, and retailers to first of all, drive foot traffic into their locations. And then when customers arrive, to be able to influence at the point of purchase, increase shopping basket size, and ultimately to buy something. Now we do that by contextualizing and personalizing messages to consumer mobile devices as they walk through brick and mortar businesses. We use a combination of a in-app SDK or plugin. So we don't actually have our own Pulsate app. We enable other brands to implement this technology. So our plugin goes into an app. If you take like a Macy's or Nordstrom as an example, and it goes into their app, the end customer doesn't really see anything in particular. And this begins to track information about that particular customer and who they are. We also provide a cloud platform. That's really the secret sauce in Pulsate that allows you to segment your customers to be able to design rich experiences that happen in store and then also to be able to understand the customer's uh, interest data. We also provide a Bluetooth low energy beacon but we really see this as more of an accessory. We're not a beacon centric company, we're a location based marketing and the beacon is really just one element of that essentially. All right, very cool. Uh, and, and you know, for those of, of our audience who uh, don't have a chance to get over to Ireland and see what's going on over there, you know, w what's the market like? What, what's the adoption uh, acceptance by the retail community around you know this type of indoor location beginning technology? Are people embracing this uh, readily, or is it really early days? Absolutely, and I think in a recent survey, over 60% of users said that they had received something in store before, and I think this is probably more or a four-square notification than anything else, but 70% of users um, that were surveyed said that they found that notification helpful and actually took action or bought something as a result. And in Ireland, I think you know there is there, you know people are receptive to it. It's very early days. This technology is new, and we've implemented a couple of brands, if you like. Um, one of them is Coors Light. So recently, what we've done is positioned beacons in over 200 bars. And basically, we give away a free pint when someone walks into the bar for the first time. They can play a game and earn points, which turn into pints. And then if you have leftover pints that you haven't redeemed, our geofencing at, at the macro level catches you on Saturday night as you go in and says, why don't you come on in and redeem it? So that's one of the first implementations that we've done here. We are also rolling out with Selfridges UK, one of, one of their brands, which is actually based in Ireland as well. Uh, I can't really go into too much detail about what that's um, about, but uh, I, I think there is a lot of uh, receptivity to it. I think brands are very interested in IB and in general and proxy. It's definitely a theme for 2014 and, and going forward. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the Coors Light thing, I, I got to experience that firsthand, obviously, with you guys while I was over there. You know, I don't know. I mean, points for pints, uh, you know, it sounds, you know, very Irish. But, um, you know, because, I mean, all you guys really do is drink over there. Isn't, isn't that it? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a little cliche. I've just come back from a, a big trip to San Francisco. We've been out there for about a month. And we talked about the various implementations that we've done, you know, in, in, in different places. And one of the first was obviously the uh, the Curse Light one. So it sounds a little bit cliche, right? So there's an Irish guy putting beacons into bars and we're giving away free beer. So uh, you're absolutely absolutely right on that one. We see our, you know, with Pulsate going forward, the United States is our, our primary market. So okay. we're in the process of actually opening up in the United States an office in both New York and San Francisco. I myself, I'm based in San Francisco probably about two weeks out of every month. And we see, you know, the United States for customer development, for investment in the Pulsate platform. That's where 
where we really see our market going forward. So we're talking to a lot of companies at the moment in the United States. We are yet to have an implementation on the ground, but that's not so far away. So in a matter of weeks, we'll be able to reveal who that is and you'll be able to see that um, on, on, inside the United States. So a couple things I'm going to pick up from from what you've said. I mean, obviously, I think we're both in agreement that, you know, the beacon itself is, is going to be a commodity. Uh, you know, the, the real investment, the real secret sauce is, is in, you know, what you do in the cloud and how, how that data is being processed and, and all of that. Um, you know, so just quickly, uh, you know, because we're coming short on time, but uh, the, um, you know, as you look to the future and as you look to how these technologies in general, not just Pulsate, but the category of, of indoor positioning uh, evolves, you know, what, what, do you, what are you looking for? What are you expecting next? Sure. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Asif. Um, beacons are a commodity. If they're not commoditized already, the, you know, it's definitely heading that way. While a lot of companies are placing their emphasis on the industrial design of the beacons and what kind of fruity colors they're going to be available in, we're aggressively building out a set of APIs and cloud services that allow you to do much more than knowing just where someone is. So true context is knowing where someone is, but also who they are and what they're interested in and what motivates them. So that means that you can contextualize and in the moment, you can send them something that's graceful, that's considered and is really integrated. And that I believe is the future of proximity marketing. You know, when you think about Minority Report, when you know, he goes in, a hologram pops up and you know, you greet it by name as retinas are scanned, we can't quite do that yet. Um, but really that's where I see the future of communication and certain proximity based marketing going. That you will send maybe one thing to someone when they come into a store you're not going to repeat that same thing the next day. You might say one thing per week when they come in, but that has to be the most important, most relevant thing that goes out to that customer. And it, it impacts and they say like, wow, this is you know, incredibly relevant, so relevant in fact that I'm going to take action. Mm -hmm. So I think the future will be about understanding truly who the customer is and not only where they are to really have them take action. And in essence, actually send customers less to send them less push messages, less invasive marketing, and I really think this is the future of advertising going forward. Excellent. Well, you heard it here first on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is uh, Patrick Letty, the founder and CEO of Pulsate. And for you retailers out there who are listening to this, you know, you don't need to kiss a Blarney store and you just need to kiss a beacon. Uh, and, and you'll have all the luck you want with these customers. So, uh, Patrick, thanks for joining us on the show uh, this week. We really appreciate your time and uh, glad to have you. So thanks again to Patrick for uh, for doing that. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll likely have other uh, interesting Irish startups that I've met uh, in my travels uh, over the next little while. But uh, really appreciate Patrick you doing that, and uh, thanks for being on this week in location-based marketing. Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. The greatest thing about Skype, right, is that you can meet them in person, or you don't have to meet them in person. Yes, I love it. All right, uh, well, on to our big themed stories here. This is going to be a big themed con concept here. Is what we're talking about is this whole concept of tracking people. We do spend a lot of time, it seems, talking about the uh, consumer implications of location, right? So location-based marketing, hey, right? And, and contextual-based marketing and location-aware marketing and, and all of the things that you've come to understand about the show. 
But there is this big piece, as Asif said, this B2B space where the, all of this location data can have a massive, massive, massive impact on the business at hand by not tracking so much customers, but also managing employees, managing schedules, managing um, uh, you know support calls, managing any kind of calls based on proximity and location. And I think that this whole and managing interns, right, scolding interns when they haven't brought you coffee fast enough. And uh, so this whole concept of tracking people, I think it's not new, but certainly with iBeacon and beacons in general and this kind of technology and the acceptance of this technology, it is starting to emerge in a big way. And people who ignore this are ignoring a big opportunity, aren't they, Asif? Absolutely. So, I mean, there's so much going on in this space. And, you know, maybe just to, to kind of work it back from, you know, where all the focus has been. So, obviously, all, you know, from the focus has been in retail. It's been on beacons. Uh, it's been on... You know, getting these stores equipped so that we know where the customers are and we can we can push them messages and try to get them to buy something. But the real you know the real opportunities for these for these companies, you know, retailers and and others, as as we've we've been talking about some of the other stories, is is analytics. You know, it's, it's big data, right? Uh, big data with local insights. I'll call it. Um, you know, and and there's so much there, right? It's you know, and if we start with that, you know, just the analytics in the store, you know, this ability to just understand traffic flow patterns and dwell times and where people are and how I use that data to optimize, you know, the placement of product in a store and, and my planograms and how I use that data to optimize, you know, where I'm putting staff on the on the on the floor uh, and, and you know to best meet customer needs. These are the basic things, you know, that I think it all starts with. But working working that back to, you know, as we've talked about earlier, training. Of employees, um, you know, scheduling of employees, um, you know, you know, knowing where people are, you know, there's huge value in in that, and not just people, equipment too. I mean, we're seeing a lot of hospitals starting to, you know, tag, you know, with beacons and other things, RFID and other things, all of their all of their equipments, all all their high value, uh, you know, scanners and equipments in these hospitals, you know, knowing where they are because things get moved around, things get misplaced. Uh, and, and when you need it, you need it. You know, it's important to know where it is. So there, there's huge value in this. We've seen over the years fleet tracking companies come and go, you know, using GPS to do this and, and RFID. We've seen uh, organizations that have uh, high data security, uh, information security needs where, you know, they have the ability to, uh, you know, uh, geotag your, your laptop, for example, so that you know what when you're in the building you're working on sensitive information but the minute you leave the building or exit the geofence all of a sudden that information gets locked down right it can't be taken out of the building so to speak you know there these are very interesting use cases for what you can do with you know using location based services in a in an enterprise business context and there are a lot of people lining up to start to make these services available yeah, and you saw it even at Google I.O. this past week where Google talked about using the phone as the key to accessing your network gateway. So whether you walk towards a computer and it opens up based on the phone um, and the signal with your phone, and, and when you walk away, it locks everything down. You start to see just these they're small examples, man, but they're human tracking. That's what people yes. forget in all of this is that the person is the person. The thing with the phone is the person, and that's what's being tracked. So you validate the phone, and then the phone validates you, right? And so you are being tracked, and I think that you're starting to see that emerge. And, and I love the idea of uh, kind of, of resource allocation. I worked in retail, Asif. It sucks, right? Because there's a lot of downtime, and you've got to be folding stuff, and you know, it's, it's just not something that is in my attention span. But 
a lot of that is downtime where I'm not doing anything. And I think that if I'm the owner of a, re a small retail outlet and, and uh, I, you know, I have idle employees and I'm paying them, that frustrates the hell out of me. So yeah. I think that this, this really, we're starting to emerge into this space. Now there's a balance here of privacy, which we all have to be very concerned. Just because they're an employee of yours does not give you the right to track them all the time. Well, d does it or doesn't it, right? Like at some point, does this stuff get written into employee yeah. agreements, right? That this is, you know, when you're on work time, you know, you're we're tracking you. Um, it's tough though, because you've always like, that's not a good environment. You, you've got to put a little bit of faith in your employees that they deliver for you. And, and maybe they'll deliver faster. And, and uh, even if they're delivering efficiently and they're not working the seven hours, yeah. you, they're still delivering what you expect, right? So like th this is, I think that we're, we're going to enter this in a weird spot, right? So four years ago, people wouldn't consider checking in with Foursquare. Four years later, it's passe, but we're not as worried about our location data as we were four years ago. And I think that, so we start, as this emerges, this industry emerges inside of the, the corporations, it has to be, it can't be, I think it would be very difficult, put it that way, for a mm. corporation to say, to mandate this uh, right now. But I think yeah, that there's think pieces. So, but 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 if it becomes you know that everybody's starting to do this right, then it yeah. just becomes mainstream, right? And like everything else, I think it's a, it, it takes time to normalize these things in the mind of the everyday consumer. And at some point, just like we're getting more, you know, uh, familiar, more comfortable, I would say, with consumer you know uh, solutions around this, we see the value in it. At some point, I think there's a value in this for both the business and the employee. Um, you know, it, again, it comes down to how do you articulate that value proposition? Yeah. You know, it, maybe it's you know, hey, uh, while you're on, uh, you know, you're on the on the clock at work, uh, and you agree to be tracked, uh, you know, your compensation is tied to that. Could be. I don't know. It could be. And, uh, but I think it starts with something of, of, of value to the end user. So that example, yes. what I just said about Google I/O, if if you if this if tracking for that moment meant that I didn't have to remember a password and the password can be controlled by a little key encryption thing that you sure. put on my phone, that's a huge benefit, right? Well, it's a, it's a marginal benefit for the employee and maybe they start using it at that point and then it leads from there. But that first thing, it has to be like, you don't want to put like a, a, you know, a prison bracelet on their ankle and say, okay, now we're tracking you, right? So I think that there's an extreme case here. And I, I don't know if it'll ever be, I mean, I don't think that it'll ever be acceptable for employers to track every moment of every day uh, for right. the employees. And I think that if you'd asked me that, I'm a different man. If you'd asked me that five years ago when I was running companies or four years ago when I was a CEO of companies, I would have said, damn straight, I own you during the day. But I'm a little bit calmer now that I have kids and I've been away from the corporate there you world. Go. So I'm not as much of an asshole today as I was back then. Can you imagine, <laughs> Asif? Holy cow. All right, so that's a big topic, and it's going to come up more and more often. We'd love to hear your thoughts on whether or not you think tracking people for your work, for the benefit of the business, is of value. I can understand for deploying people out on the, on, you know, uh, remote workers. That is, right? But uh, for sure, I, I wonder here. So, well, give us your thoughts, Rob. Add yeah, and by the way, you know, just one last point on yeah? that. You know, guys like Salesforce.com and others have been building this kind of capability yeah. into their platforms for some time. So, you know, it is available, uh, you know, in that kind of environment too for tracking, you know, where your salespeople are, where your field reps are. Uh, as Rob says, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yep. Love your thoughts, though. What do you think? Rob at Untether.tv or Asif at the LBMA.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. 
All right, the second story we want to talk about is this whole concept of what happens over the air when a company like J.C. Dassault, J.C. Dassault, how come I can never get that right, um, helps augment signal inside of their, you know, whatever it is. So this is a bus shelter, but uh, their business is advertising. They're working absolutely with Vodafone Netherlands to increase the signal. So you've got a company that is increasing the signal inside of their advertising and what happens over the air. This has got to be some kind of master plan to push us more advertising, more content, more something while we're sitting inside of these bus shelters. Am I off on this, do you think? No, I think you're bang on. Uh, you know what? Will, what they'll do with it is you know open for discussion. But what for me, what I get out of this story is, uh, you know, this growing relationship between uh, out of home media companies and mobile uh, phone operators. You know, we need look no further than right here in Canada. You know, why did Bell Canada go out and buy Astral Media? Astral is is the JC Dassault or a JC Dassault like company here in Canada that owns these bus shelters and 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 other out of home inventory. Well, it's a, it's about that opportunity to link you know you know knowing from the mobile operator perspective where that uh, subscriber is right now, you know, because they you know they can target you from a cell cell tower perspective. Um, and then knowing what advertising you're 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 standing in front of in this case it's the bus shelter whether it's in Amsterdam you know or in Canada uh, and being able to make linkages between those things so it's it's, it's for me it's about taking out of home media making it more measurable making it more effective and ultimately you know tying the channels together between out of home and mobile in this context um, you know. It's a it is a Trojan horse though, right? Like you're, you're in there, you've got this thing equipped, you know, 200 uh, small cells, you know, around Amsterdam, um, you know, opening that up to all of a sudden do push messages while they're in the in the shelter, you know, over Wi-Fi, you know, adding Bluetooth beacons. I mean, who knows where it can go, right? Um, but the point is, is you know, this is at the heart of what we talk about every day at the LBMA, which is this this idea of integrated media. You know, location is. Where is the guy right now I want to reach? Location-based marketing is what media is near that guy in that particular place right now. And in this case, it's it, he's in a bus shelter. I know that from the Vodafone side. Um, and how do I tie those things together? And I think that's the opportunity here. Um, and, and we're going to see it in Canada. That's why that acquisition happened in my mind. We're going to see it. Obviously, we're seeing it in Amsterdam. We're going to see this all over the place. So these things are coming closer and closer together. You know, it's just it's so funny, though. You, you're talking about uh, a carrier like Vodafone. Um, and we've often talked. We always talk about who owns the customer. Mm. The carrier owns the customer. All that data that, sure. they, that, that uh, the carrier has. They know everything that you do on your phone. What you browse, where you are, what you do, how many emails, how many texts, how many phone calls—they know everything. So I wonder, what is this relationship between, you know, a, an advertising company and a carrier, and then what data is being exchanged between the two of them to enhance the advertising message or to enhance the business of the advertiser inside of like a bus shelter, for example? So. Uh, you know, gone are the days at some point where you're going to be able to, um, you know, capture MAC addresses in iOS 8. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden you look at something like a deal like this and the, the amount of data that uh, uh, JC Dassault has uh, on their users who in these 200 bus shelters all of a sudden could be quite substantial from tracking information, from history, browsing, from yep. anything that a, that a phone company but see, can capture. And, that, and that's the thing, right? Like JC Dassault and these operators, they historically, they don't know anything. Yeah. About you know the you know the the, the the target that's standing in front of them. But now they their, do their billboard. Now they do yeah. potentially right. 
because as you say, the mobile operator owns the customer. They, mm -hmm. It's their subscriber. They know, you know, how much they spend. They know where they, where else they go. They, they know a lot of stuff about about these people. Well, they know they, where they, they got on the bus, where they get off yeah. the bus. So, you know, that's valuable stuff. If you're the owner of the ad inventory, as in, which is what the role JC DeSoto is playing here, uh, and how much of that gets relayed to the the brand that's that's spending the money, uh, whose whose ad is sitting in, in, inside that shelter. That's the real question here. Right? How much is the mobile operator passing on in terms of data here, uh, and how are they monetizing that? That's the real. These are the real questions, right? That we don't know about this, but the, the partnership makes tons of sense. It does right? And we're going to see ton, a lot more of these types of partnerships uh, and even acquisitions like we saw here in Canada. I wonder if this is a an exclusive, right? So does uh, JC Dassault become the gatekeeper? for all of this stuff and so not only are they doing it for their own clients but then all of a sudden they're creating a, a you know a a highly targeted high capacity ad network for other people to buy into this might be an entirely new business model for them as well yeah. my god i think we found something here asif brilliant i suppose or frightening depends on what side <laughs> of the fence you're on <laughs> yeah well, again, we'd like to know what your thoughts are on this. Does this uh, fill you with joy? Does this fill you with pain? Do you actually give a damn about this? Um, and uh, reach out, Rob at Untether.tv or Steve at TheLVMA.com. Those are the two stories we wanted to cover because it encompassed quite a substantial uh, portion of these stories. We couldn't find a third because they were all seemed to fit into that area around tracking people, tracking assets, and then obviously tracking uh, phones for uh, advertisements. So those are the two stories. That's it. There you go. Boom! I love good timing on that. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was by the way the uh, um, it just buzzed here. Another trade has happened in the NHL. Jason Spezza uh, gone tonight. Uh, not a trade. Sorry, uh, the Arizona Coyotes have decided to buy out Mike Ribeiro. Oh, big. Big news breaking right here. Breaking news right <laughs> breaking here. Breaking news here right here. This is how important hockey is in Canada. People. In Canada. Yes. All right, well, that's uh, that's a show. Our resource of the week was Patrick. Uh, he was a uh, far greater resource than we could have uh, mustered up. So uh, we brought you our 10 stories, our two uh, big, big, deep thoughts, and uh, our, our guest, Patrick Letty of uh, Pulsate. That's it for 80, 188, 188 episodes in. We'll be back next week. I guarantee it. I can almost, I can guarantee it 100% we'll be back next week for episode number 189. Don't miss it. Do not miss oh, it. You know what, though? You know what you should not miss? is the chance to support this show. Oh, carry right? on. We've got this great thing called Patreon, right, Rob? God, I love Patreon. I didn't even mention it. I suck at this thing. Yeah. I think Patreon actually raised money this week too, didn't they? They did. They put 15 million bucks in their pocket. Yeah. Uh, not in mine, yeah. but they raised 15 million dollars. Yeah. It was it's it's well worth it. Patreon is a really cool site that allows you to support independent content like ourselves. It's not just podcasts, it's not just uh, TV shows like this. It's anything. You want some to help support somebody uh, create an album, write a book, Patreon does that. But we do have a site up at patreon.com/untether. If you so choose, throw us a couple of bucks, a number of bucks, 100 bucks, 2000 bucks, it doesn't matter. Whatever you can afford in your pocket, we will continue to bring the content here. But if you find value in what we're doing, we believe in that value for value model, just throw us a couple of bucks if you've found something useful in here. And I know that, you know, a lot of you guys come up to me and say, I love this show and I, st I don't see your name as a Patreon. So I'm just saying, show us the love. We like hey, love. Bruno. We'll, we'll give you a hug. If we see you in person, you'll get a hug. And if we, I know that you say, I love I love the show, Rob. You know, I love it. I watch it every day, and I don't see your name as a Patreon. I'm going to get Bruno over there, and he's going to bust up some kneecaps.
Can I say that? Is that a threat? Yeah. Mm. And of course, don't forget, go to peopleplacesmedia.com to sign up for to receive our first chapter of our book for free. Peopleplacesmedia.com and go to patreon.com forward slash untether. And that's the best way you can support us. And of course, if you decide that you love this show even more, go into wherever you found it inside of the podcasting software. Give us a good five-star review and a comment. We will love you for that as well. There you go. That is it. Episode 188 done. Asif, on to the next. Have a great week. Stay at home. Stay stationary. Stay off the planes. And everybody else, we'll see you next week for episode number 189. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Later. Later.